We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Therefore, for the rest of the night. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Now, I want to remind everybody again, on April 14th, 2018, we're going to be at the Frank Saris Library in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. It's going to be a town hall meeting where people come out and share their experiences firsthand of what they've seen in Bigfoot. So I highly encourage you to come out there. It's near the Pittsburgh area. If you're within a five-hour radius of there, I would greatly appreciate you coming out, hanging out with me, and listening to people's stories. And just It's going to be a great time, so I highly recommend people coming out and checking it out. Now, moving on for this week's iTunes shout-outs, we have Melon 85 The Real Wankus, Marky 1103, Greddy Opper, Tornado Silverado, Lungworts, Jilly Mum, Dawn Aprils, and Guitar Man 1957. Thanks so much for going to iTunes and leaving the rating and review. I really appreciate it. And if you don't have iTunes and you still want to help the show out, go ahead and share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're located. I would really appreciate it if you would just share the show a little bit and say, this is an interesting show I found. Tell me what you think. Now, this week's Patreon shout-outs, I want to give it to Scott D., Jacob D., Connie W., Buddy K., and Candy H. Those are people who signed up on Patreon to help support the show. If you would like to see what we offer for rewards on Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash theconfessionals. That's patreon.com backslash theconfessionals. You'll be able to see all the different rewards we offer to people who become patrons to help support the show. Now, this week's show, we have Jason coming on, and Jason has a lot of different experiences. And for lack of better terms, it's kind of like the X-Men, where he actually has these abilities to do certain things. I really think you guys are going to enjoy the show, so let's get to it right after this. 
Okay, tonight we have a great guest coming on, Jason. Uh, Jason, how are you doing, man? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here, man. Uh, now, you have had uh, a lot of experiences, and I'm not sure exactly what order they happened in, but I, I don't want to give it all away. But I will say this, that you have seen a big UFO in the middle of Manhattan, and that kind of jumped off the page of me when I first read the email because I did a show with another guy who saw a very large UFO on Long Island. So I was like, wow, that's that's really cool that, you know, somebody else has seen something like that too. I, I'm curious though, as to, you know, maybe it was the same thing that you guys were seeing. I don't know. I have to go back and listen to that episode and see like the timestamp as, you know, how he described when it happened. Man, you have some good stuff tonight. Uh, a UFO experience that happened, what, in 2015? Uh, the first one that I can consciously recall was in 2015. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go with that one to start things off and just kind of walk us into what you remember from that situation. Like how did it start? Who were you with? Things like that. Right. Well, let me, if I can, let me just go back just a little bit more because the thing is it wasn't something that I saw spontaneously in the sky. It was something that was part of a meditation practice that I learned about. So, uh, Going back to like 2012, I had a, first off, I had a psychedelic experience with cannabis. And uh, that was the first time in my life that I ever had that, you know, I ever tried it. So that might have been the trigger for at least one part of the trigger to all of this. Then following that, um, I had a strange sighting of an anomalous object as I was walking home from work one day. So the problem is it didn't look like a saucer or anything like that. And at that time, I wasn't even into UFOs, but I said, hey, look, if I see an alien, it's going to look like a saucer, right? I've seen that on TV. But this thing was more like a suspended thing in the sky that was just sitting there. It was about maybe 300 feet in the sky, um, right over my complex, too. And when I looked at it, it, it looked kind of weird because it was just kind of suspended. It, it was kind of like, you know, if you have a helium balloon, and the, the balloon starts to fizzle out after a few days or weeks, and then it sits like in the middle of your living room. It had that feeling to it. It was just sitting in, like right there in the sky, and the wind wasn't budging it or anything. So one time I put my eyes on it for a while, all of a sudden it started moving to the right. And then, and then it, it just in a straight line. And I said, what the heck is that? And then so I followed it for about a half a block or so, and then I said, you know, I'm not going to follow this all the way to the west side of Manhattan, so I'm just going to go home chalk it up to a weird experience and I dismissed it and forgot about it. So then come 2014, I started to become aware of a guy named Dr. Stephen Greer who founded, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he founded the disclosure project and uh, the C5 initiative. I mean, once I heard about him, I felt something different that came out of his information. It was more serious. They were like a bunch of whistleblowers talking about, you know, UFOs and the military and stuff. And uh, so I took it more serious. Then I became aware of the CE5 initiative, where people go out and meditate and, and they conjure up UFOs. And it, to me, it sounded like kind of woo-woo at first. But then I, then I started getting into some groups and learning about other people's experiences. And I started to kind of say, you know, I think there's something to this. Because there's too many people having experiences with this that it doesn't, it, where have I been? That's the first thing I said to myself, you know, well, you know, all these people have this experience and you don't even hear about it anywhere. So I, I 
downloaded an app to help me meditate that he actually put out. And even in the iTunes store, you look at the app, you see the reviews, they give it five stars. You look at everyone's comments. They say, oh, we made contact on the first night. I'm like, oh, my God. It was like more validation for this. So, you know, basically uh, after I, I was convinced that this was possible, uh, I met up with a group, networked with a group in Long Island. And, uh, and that's when we, we met up a few times. We didn't have any success in kind of like identifying anything out of the ordinary. And one day, probably like four to six months after we first met, I had the, the, the amazing experience that we're coming to in 2015, where we kind of focused our intention in the sky. And it was a very quiet, quiet night. So, you know, when you, when you see the stars real, real vividly in the sky, and then suddenly in your area of intention, things start to pop in, you know, orbs that sort of kind of pop in from deep space. They have that feeling of being like, sometimes they look like stars that float. Sometimes they throw out flashes at you, you know, like almost a, like a Polaroid flash. Okay. And then they pop back into space again. So we, we, we all saw that and we looked at each other and we said, we just got confirmation. <laughs> and I think that was, that, was the, uh, that was the main one that triggered me to start having to think about a lot of stuff in my past, including that one sighting that I dismissed. Yeah. So, I mean, you were doing this with a, a big group of people. This was around five people. Uh, most people were new. I think we had one uh, experiencer in the group, but for the most part, we were all kind of newbies at it. And I was still trying to figure out what meditation had to do with what I saw up there in the sky. And, uh, and that's the thing about this phenomena is that the phenomena seems to, if it triggers you to ask a question to yourself, it seems like something wants to give you an answer, but you got to have the desire to ask the question. And so that's the thing that might, I don't know if that sets me apart because I can't speak for anyone else, but I went home really confused because that's the first time in my life I ever saw something that I could not explain and let alone something that I triggered myself you know, with my group, you know? And so once that happened, I mean, I used to, after, after that day, I would sit out looking out my window, trying to reproduce the same experience again and again. And it didn't, it didn't happen the same way. It was, I was, but I was always just fixed at the window. One would probably think that I was probably uh, obsessed or, or whatever, you know, but I just kept looking out the window, trying to trigger it. And I, I mean, it was out of excitement, you know, so there was no fear involved here. I just really wanted to see this thing happen again. And little by little, other things started to happen to me personally. So it's like the act of, of meditating, the act of breathing, you know, and, and take, doing what these Buddhists talk about, you know, inadvertently just doing it, you know, and, and then following their practice started to make me become aware of other things. So like, like, for example, I was looking up at the sky. I was focusing on one area of the sky, doing the same practice. And then suddenly I see these cloud dynamics coming through from, you know, from left to right or whatever. And as they're coming through, when they get toward my fields where I was focusing on, they started to break up right there, but they wouldn't break up on the top and the bottom. And I saw that and I thought it was kind of interesting. I said, hmm, that's weird. It looks kind of almost like, did I do that? <laughs> you know? So it, it planted a seed in my mind 
And then I decided to give it a try again and again and again. And then I sort of validated that we can alter, not, not, we could probably alter the weather, but I think more importantly, we can alter little cloud dynamics with, with, uh, with the same ability that, we, that I use to call in the UFOs. And that was sort of like an answer because I said to myself, how does my meditation affect, you know, things at a distance? Well, moving clouds with your mind was sort of like a good, you know, a good answer, right? Because you see things happening. So there's one way that, that, that it happened, you know, so I, I, can, I walked outside, I went to the park, I even stopped a few people and asked and talked to them on the street and see if they, if they can see what's happening. And, and a lot of people saw it and they were shocked. Some were shocked. Some were like, oh, cool, you know. But to me, I was blown away because, I mean, science still doesn't even validate that, that, that anything in, involving our consciousness is outside of our heads. So just the idea that we can affect physical reality like that was, to me, incredible. So, you know, that, that, uh, that led me to, to see other things and continuously question other things. So an example for the, another question that I had was that when I did see the experience happen, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a linear type of, it wasn't simple. It wasn't the kind of thing where you just see these lights in the sky and that's it. It was the kind of thing where it was very synchronous. And I've heard so many stories where people would talk about seeing a shooting star at just the right time or, or, you know, seeing a UFO exactly when they had a thought in their mind. That's exactly what happened to me. You know, so the, the UFOs popped in in a very strange way. Like, for example, if I decide to stare at the sky and meditate and then I look a little bit to the left and then all of a sudden when I look to the left, the UFO is right there as if it knew that I was going to look to the left or look to the right or whatever. And I was like, and then I, so then I ponder that question again and I say, wait a minute. So did the UFO know that I was going to move to the left or did it control me in moving my head to the left? Like what was going on there? And so then there I got into the next question that I said, I said, okay, now I know that something's happening at a distance. Now I know that, that, uh, that something's going on with my consciousness and UFOs. Could this be connected to me? You know, and I, and I try to dive into as much literature as I could. I bought a few books on, you know, online and I try to read as much as I can. And little by little, I started piecing together different experiences that people had. And I started to realize how it was coming through in my form, you know? So that's, that's kind of a, it's, it's a little different angle on this. Uh, and, and I'm not the typical experiencer that's like had Dean visit him when he was five years old or anything like that. It's very, it's much later in life. I, I think it was, I was 36, 37 at the time when it, when it first started and I'm 40 now. So it's a late blooming thing. And I think that maybe my rational mind was, was, uh, developed enough to be able to now, uh, talk about this from that kind of, you know, like perspective that's a little different than the average person. Yeah. I, so when it comes to the, the, this idea of you being able to, mentally moving clouds or, you know, you're meditating. And it, to me, it sounds like, I mean, it almost sounds like you're calling them, you know, call, calling UFOs it, it, mentally. That's what it sounds like, at least to me. Is this something that like you think, I, I guess the, the proper question would be like, have you ever come to a conclusion on how this is even possible? I mean, without, without the scientific, you know, jargon uh, for you personally, 
Like, have you ever been able to kind of come to make sense in your mind how this could be? Yeah, I think I think I have. I mean, I'm still piecing it together day by day. I think that if we, if we become arrogant and we start to say we know, you know, you know, I I think that's where we we, we lose the game here. So I think I'm developing it, but I have a good understanding now uh, where I'm led to understand what it is coming from. So I had that amazing experience where the UFO was over Manhattan, right? That experience happened at around 4 o'clock in the morning one day. Uh, and I remember it was a really nice night considering it was winter time, right? And I opened my window and I started meditating. And, uh, you know, and the meditation practice involves both focus, like an anchored focus and a breathing uh, technique. So as I'm staring at a star, using the star as my anchor point, I start to meditate for about 15 minutes or so and nothing's happening. So I'm getting a little kind of restless a little bit. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on you know, in my head. I'm speaking to myself. I'm like, I wonder what's going on. Why they're not, you know, why I'm not getting any kind of sighting or anything. And then suddenly I had a thought in my head and this one thought. Now it was immediately instant thought, but I'll, I'll, you know, like if I draw it out to you, it, it was a thought that said, if I breathe, if I take a deep breath and visualize, and visualize it inside of me, maybe then I'll be able to see what's, you know, what I need to see. As soon as I had that thought, a ball just gracefully kind of like softly, not, not suddenly, just softly manifested out of nowhere and started to, to streak across the sky real slowly, right across the empire state building. And it was a huge ball. It was like, I mean, it had this characteristic, like if it was made of glass, you know, or, or, or like predator camouflage, like what you see in the, in the predator movies. Right. So, so I had that kind of look to it. And then when I saw it, I, I was, I had my mouth open and I said that that was the first time I think that I saw a closer sighting. So instead of seeing them up in the atmosphere, I actually saw this huge ball just crisscrossing, well, not criss, you know, just going in one direction from, from west to east over the, uh, the empire. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It had, you know, but then, I, then after I had that experience, I said to myself, now I do know that came forward because I had a thought. So I started to think about, are you guys in my head? Because I've heard about telepathy. Uh, you know, and, but this felt weird because you didn't, they didn't say anything to me. I said it to myself. So then I said, is telepathy maybe something more complicated than what we think? So I, by asking that question that goes into the answer to your question that I'm starting to understand that the UFOs, well, I'm starting to understand as I know today, as I understand today, it seems like the UFOs are actually beings that are connected to us directly. But the problem is, is that they're not correct. They're not connected to us in the body. So our body is separate from their body, but they incarnate in a different point in time, but they're connected to us in the sense that our energy comes from the same energy that creates them. So like if you go, so if you, if we get into a little, a little bit of like, let's say, you know, a little bit of uh, science here, a lot of theories are coming up now that everything that's happening is now and that even the future is now and the past is now and that we're living in one big multiverse. So then if everything's happening now, that means that the future is already happening. 
And if there are beings in the future that can connect with us now in the present, then they can do that because they have the ability to time travel. So if our consciousness is connected to their consciousness and, our, and our, the energy that makes up who we are is non-local and non-binding, then it makes sense that they can come back to us when we ask them to. And a lot of times I think maybe a lot of people would call them guides or, or I'm pretty sure I even thought about the idea that a lot of religious experiences might have been because of something like this. That's interesting, man. That's really interesting. Uh, when it comes to the meditation aspect of things, I, I don't know much about meditation at all. Could you describe, like, I don't know if the process is what you would want to describe, but like, what is uh, meditation and how could that, you know, contribute to you having this connection with UFOs? Right, right. Well, what, I, what I've learned is that med- meditation is about tuning into the energy within us. The thoughts that come into our heads are not really who we are. So even if you look in the mirror every day and you see your, you know, and, and you say, I am this and that, or this is me, you know, you say your name, you talk about things you have to do. Oh my God, I got to pay the bills. I got to do this. I got to do that. Those are all thoughts connected to memory. And so what I'm starting to understand is that those thoughts are not really who we are. We're, we're energy and the meditation, what it does is it tries to use a practice to help us try to eliminate our thoughts. Now we're not going to really eliminate them because once we try the monkey mind kicks in and we always have all these other thoughts that try to interject, but that's the great little key. So we can see that, that we are not our thoughts. Our thoughts is a, is, are just processes that are happening. It's part of like the human system. It's the energy. So when people talk about, in the spiritual community especially, when people talk about like high vibration or meeting, meeting uh, beings at the vibration that they're at, I started to understand that as my breathing technique was increasing my energy in a way where my mind wasn't getting in the way. So by increasing my energy, it rose me to a level of understanding well, first off, that we're living in a matrix. We're living in sort of a, a simulated reality that's based on energy matching. And that once I raise my energy to the level that matches the experience at a distance, that experience is going to come forward to me. Almost like a computer, like a video game would, would, would if you do the right thing, the video game gives you the reward. Or like the, you, know, you play Super Mario and you, you hit the, the, the block and you get the coin. It's sort of like that. You know, yeah. it's like if you raise your energy in a positive way, because you can raise your energy in a negative way, too, when you get angry or whatever. But when you, it seems like by doing the meditation, I was raising my energy in a positive way that caused that phenomena to come forward. OK, uh, to the UFO encounter that you had in uh, Manhattan, did you describe it as a sphere? Yeah, it was like a like an oval like a, like a little, yeah, it was like kind of ovalish, uh, you know, it, it looked, since it looked so transparent and it looked so like made of glass, so to speak, it, it's hard to find exactly, but it, but I would say mostly like an oval or, or like a ball. And there's so many experiences that I've had. That's only one of the many. Uh, I mean, I, I, we, me and a friend of mine did a meditation in Flushing Queens, I think in uh Flushing Meadow Park in Queens, uh, one year, and we had a, an amazing sighting of a craft that was just a few thousand feet above our heads, 
and uh, and it, it blew up like a huge ball, like huge, like looked like a little mini sun, and then it kind of went away. It gave us like a little send off, and so there's so there's a lot of experiences that I've had in the last three years, you know. But the psychic ability that was the one that really connected me to understanding why are we changing the atmosphere? Why are we, you know, why, how are we calling these things in, you know? Yeah, and that kind of would play into the, the idea of the matrix kind of thing. Do you think that these UFOs that you've been experiencing, do you think that they're physical or do you think that there's something else to it other than just physical? Uh, the thing is, they're not telling me who they are. That's one thing that's not happening. What they're doing is that they're showing up at, a, at the right moment. They're sh- you know, and the funny thing is, I've never seen them in my life until after I started meditating. So now they show up if I have an important business issue that I'm dealing with. Let's say I got to go inside of a building and deal with something. And then, I, and then I, I sort of try to tune myself and learn from this experience to help me better my life, let's say. And let's say something does go in my favor or something goes in a way that's kind of like flowing with my own energy. I walk out of the building and the UFOs are in the sky. Like literally, like something tells me to look up and they're right there pulsing in the sky, just sitting there. Um, So that started to happen too. And that's when it started to feel like a guide. So it started feeling like something was guiding me, you know? And that happened so many times in the past that even when, when the, when the phenomena started to not happen for like a whole two months or so, they would somehow come back to remind me that they were there, you know? And the amazing thing is, is that other people do see them, but when they see them for some reason, it doesn't register the same way. How do you mean? Well, like, like I've been able to channel them in populated areas. And when I do that, I've pointed it out to people just randomly on the street. Hey, you know, but I don't tell them what it is because I think a stranger, you know, talking about UFOs is the worst thing you can do <laughs> is tell somebody <laughs> that. So, you know, that what I would do is I would just say, hey, do you see that object up there in the sky? And they'll look at it and sometimes they'll say the oddest things. Like, well, like there was a, a UFO one time over one of the famous bridges here in Manhattan, but really high up. And it was in the daytime, too. It looked like a marble in the sky. And I had spent about 15 minutes meditating to try to, you know, bring that craft in. So when I tap the guy next to me and I tell him to look up and does he see that thing, that weird thing in the sky? He says, oh, yeah, looks like a drone or something. Then his phone rings and he gets up and walks away. (laughs) So in my mind, I said, and what planet does a drone look like a ball? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I just said, people are dismissing this like this. People are probably having experiences and they just dismiss them quickly like I did when I came home from work that day and I saw that weird object in the sky. And it's happened a few times where people would just kind of like see it. Sometimes they're like, "Hmm, what the heck is that? And then I never see them again. You know, I find it funny because I talk about this a lot, how, you know, people can have an experience with something like this. And you you experience it together, but you react totally different. And you know, there's times that like people experience a dr- dramatic UFO experience, and together, and once it's over, they just never talk about it. And I'm, I I don't quite understand how 
how that even works. It, like there literally has to be something going on mentally that causes people to not have the urge to even discuss it amongst each other after they experience what they experienced. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of people have a lot of uh, belief systems inside that line, all of us. And I think that in order to get into that for some people, they're going to have to disturb a lot of beliefs that kind of like made their life what it is today. So I think a lot of people are really fearful, even though they're not fearful in the sense like I'm scared, I'm scared, but they're fearful in the sense like I'm not going to give this any thought. You know, because if I give it any thought, it's going to like, I got to go to work. You know what I mean? I got to go back to work from lunch or whatever or whatever you're doing. And I, I, I can't really put my head into this. I need to focus on what I'm doing. So people are kind of running. It looks like they're running on autopilot. And I think that the vibrational aspect of all this is sort of like just interwoven into all of us, you know. So do you think that people, they're not seeing things because of the kind of the culture we live in do you think sometimes that we're just so busy and so consumed with our day-to-day our lives everything us that when it comes to this stuff even if they experience it it's just like in their mind and out the next second because they're just we're just so in a fast-paced society and when you meditate and you slow things down and you focus your thoughts you're more susceptible to experiencing this yeah i think the energy that we have in being on autopilot and the energy that we have of, of having all these little demons on our shoulders, you know, things that trigger us every day. I think all that energy kind of holds us down and being in a place like New York is like a perfect, uh, it's like a, like a playground to, to understanding this stuff. And uh, you could see how people are just running fast and grabbing their Starbucks and running into the train station and stuff. And, you can't even have a conversation with people. Even if you bump somebody on the street, people are like, you know, watch it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening is that people are just going on overdrive, you know, and they're not able to just stop for a minute. I mean, even when I try to explain this to people like in my family or whatever, they're not ready to hear this. They're just not. You could just see their mind is already trying to figure out what it's not without listening to me. And I know that's happened to so many experiencers when they try to talk to their families about what happened because it's so out of the blue, it's so out of the norm that people will immediately think you're crazy. So it makes you want to rethink even mental illness, you know, and I, and that's, that's my field. That's where yeah. I, you know, worked for the last nine years is the mental health field. I'm a medical case manager and, uh, uh for a social welfare program. And, um, and that's, I've dealt with so much of that. And when I think back to my client, I think back to like, oh my gosh, like what if we had to rethink schizophrenia? What if we had to rethink all these disorders that we have medication and treatment for? Um, this is kind of heavy, you know? This is like one of those things that, you, right. if this happens to be true, and a lot of people see things and hear things, and, and, it's, and it's, it turns out to be not a mental illness, then I don't know. I don't know how we're going to reverse, you know, the the trend that we're on, you know, the pharmaceutical trend. Right. And, and I'll tell you, I, I agree with you. I, I do think now I, I'm sure there are people that are, you know, in mental hospitals that they, they need to be there. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I think that some of the people that are in there, they're they're perfectly sane. 
they just have, they unfortunately have been exposed to experiencing something that society and culturally we won't accept as normal, uh, as something that actually happens. Therefore you're insane. And I'll tell you, there's, um, there's a, a podcast that I listen to and most people know I would listen to it, Sasquatch Chronicles. And, uh, I'm a member to the website. And so I'm listening to the members episode this past week and Wes was talking about different things off topic of Sasquatch. And he was talking about how he had an experience with a guy who contacted him saying that he had heard, uh, basically entities inside his, uh, his home when his dad was gone away at work talking amongst each other, like they're talking back and forth and he couldn't understand everything they're talking about. And it's a big, long drawn out story and it's very fascinating. Uh, but at the end of the day, he tells his dad and his dad winds up putting him in a mental institution. And I think he was there for like six months because the, the family thought he was going nuts and he, he gets out, I guess they diagnosed him as uh, schizophrenic and he gets out in six months. He's not on medication anymore. He nothing. And he's like, he's telling Wes, he's like, listen, I'm not crazy. I know what I experienced. I'm not on medication now. I haven't been on it for a long time, but when I like this really happened. And so I think that that happens sometimes to people, unfortunately, where it's just, I don't know. Is it misdiagnosing? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I think that a lot too has to do with the fact that when people do have an experience, they, 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 no one's validating it for them. So they start to believe the system starts to make them believe that there's something wrong with them. It's kind of like, uh, you know, people who, who will have the identity crisis and that, you know, if they don't validate what they're going through, the society is going to dictate it for you and then you're going to believe it. So I asked a doctor that I used to work with years ago about voices in the head. And, uh, and she, she, and then I, I wanted to know more or less like what's happening in the mind of a person that has voices in their head. And I was shocked because I, I, out of everything that she told me, basically science just doesn't know. It just doesn't know. It, it knows how to stop the voices in your head, but she didn't give me any indication that science really knows what the voices are. And so then I said, well, then what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, what are we doing giving this medication, this, this antipsychotic medication to patients if we don't really know what the voices are coming from? But the, the fact that I noticed was that people are coming in with troubles and the system seems to be validating their troubles by saying, yeah, there's something wrong, we need to cure this. So I think if you can convince anyone that they have a mental illness, they'll, they'll play the role of having a mental illness. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Uh, let's take a break right now. When we come back, we'll get right back into it. We'll be right back, everybody.
it's, I guess, probably easier in the short term at least to, you know, give some medication, stop the problem, and call it a day. And in, in right. reality, you know, as time goes on and stuff, I mean, we're not fixing anything. We're just putting Band-Aids on it. And uh, that's not that that's just not healthy for anybody, let alone the person who's going through it, you know. Right, and somebody's making money in the process. You know? so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, money goes around on anything. They 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 make money on everything and anything they can, man. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, it opened the door to that. I thought about that, and and also the thing with the sky, you know, the the cloud stuff, because that's so important to me because that sort of validated to me that we are living in some sort of joint simulation, you know, because if you can alter the sky with your mind. That to me is crazy, you know, and, I, and I've done it so many times and I've done that. I put out so many videos. I'm just not the kind of guy that has a lot of viewers. So it's not like everyone's going to just see my videos, but I put out so many that it's, and I have so many in my own, you know, my own memory card that I haven't put online because it's no point in repeating the whole thing over and over again. But here's the funny thing about, about this. I, once I started to do that, I sort of started to have a lot of random psych. Um, clairvoyant experiences. Like, for example, I would talk to somebody on the phone and then I would talk about a movie suddenly that they just happened to be watching on their TV. Or like mention a book that they just so happened to have on their countertop. Mm. But I never knew about it. So it's like, it seems like my unconscious thoughts were tapping into what was happening in their experience. So that was kind of weird because I can't control it. You know, it just sort of happens on its own. But then I had a weird idea where I said, I wonder if I can move clouds by using a camera. So instead of looking at the cloud myself, I said, I'm going to go ahead and take my phone. I'm going to point it at the cloud using my camera. And I'm not going to look at the cloud. I'm going to look at the, the, the cloud in the camera and see if I could do the same thing. So when I, when I tried that, I shocked myself because I did the exact same thing on the camera. So that kind of validated to me that there was nothing going on in my eyes, you know, like some sort of photon emission or some sort of whatever. It was all in my head. So then I took the next step and I said, all right, you know what? I, I need to get it. I need to get to the bottom of this. I downloaded an app on, on the, the iTunes store that shows webcams live webcams from around the world. And, you know, and, and once I downloaded it, I, I picked the webcam, let's say I'll pick one in Florida, for example, and I'll look at a nice skyline. And I said, now I'm going to try to do the same thing with this guy. And <laughs> I almost, I literally, I was almost in tears because when I saw that I was able to do it on camera, then I said, now I know this thing is not local. This thing is something you could do anywhere. And I said, I think this is getting into an area that's a little bit like uh, a little dangerous to talk about in, 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 you know, in my own sense, because I think that there's a little bit of uh, implications here. But I said, you know what, I'm just going to still, I'm still going to speak my truth and that's it. Let the chips fall where they may. You know, can we influence the sky at a distance with all our thoughts, you know? And then it started to make me think about, well, you know, when we see a hurricane coming, and the news is telling us where it's probably going to come, are we unconsciously creating the hurricane to come toward us? So I had a lot of thoughts about this, but the important part for me was that I started to videotape it 
and I started to document it in a way that I know it's a, it's 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 true, but I don't think we're gonna I don't think my video is gonna suddenly shit society, you know, in one fell swoop. Right. Have you ever tried doing this with anything else other than the sky, moving anything else? I haven't been able to. I haven't been able to. I mean I tried with a little flame to see if I can move the flame. It seems like it needs to be something that's already in motion. So the act of it being in motion causes you to be able to change the, the dynamic around it. So it's like I tried with a pendulum or I tried with a little piece of tin foil. Uh, I mean, I've seen so many videos of people do, you know, moving them or moving us or bending a spoon or whatnot. Haven't been able to do that. Okay. Now, uh, one, I guess, have you come across other people that have the same ability as you? Have you been in contact with anybody else that, that you know of? That can do what you yes. do. It's a, te- it's a teachable skill. It's something, uh, one of my friends from my contact group, I had ta- taught him how to do it, and he did it within five minutes. Really? Within five minutes. It's something I think that we all can do. Maybe there's a little varying ability in terms of how, how fast we can do it, but for the most part, I think it's within all of us. I think we're all just unconsciously and completely unaware that we can do it. Okay. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the like the the clouds and things like that, and you brought up the the idea of hurricanes, you know that there's this, um, I guess it's conspiratorial, but there's this thought that our government has the ability with technology to geoengineer the weather, and if they wanted to create a hurricane, they could do so. Uh, do you think that? If you, and I don't know if if you alone could do this or if you would need a group of people, do you think that this is something that at some point you would be able to create a storm or even stop a storm, curb a storm? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, one time I I try to see if I can, if I can help avoid a storm from coming to Florida. You know, it's, this is one of those things that it's hard to, you know, I mean, I, I require a lot of proof myself when thing, you know, when I, when I come up with these, these observations. So there was one year that it just missed, I think it was last year or the year before where it just missed the coastline of Florida. And I really, really, that day, that the night before, I really tried to put a lot of intention to see if I can cause it to, to avoid Florida. And it did exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, same thing happened with, with, uh, Puerto Rico, the, with first storm. So this first storm was coming toward Puerto Rico and I said, I wanted to go up. And then I, I used sort of my practice to try to make it go up and it did go up and it went above it. And it was like, it sort of saved the day until the next few weeks afterward, <laughs> the, the real big one came in. So I don't know. I don't know what one person could do with something so big like that, but I could imagine that if you have thousands of people fixated and understanding how to do this, I could imagine that they can probably have a huge effect on the sky. Yeah. And you know, I, I th- this whole thing, like it's, it, I know it sounds uh, to some people it might sound crazy, and I know it sounds like almost X Men kind of thing, like you can control the weather kind of thing. Uh, but you know, I, I do find that a lot of times what we see in movies sometimes isn't so far from reality. And uh, what what you're describing and stuff, I, I, I'm I'm really fascinated by this. And like you said that. 
I guess it tends to have to have to be something that's moving. Have you tried, you know, I don't know, like a car or something like that? I don't know. Like, have you tried other moving objects with any kind of success? Yeah, there's so, there's some things that have happened that I tend to be a little bit of not afraid to talk about, but just you know, I don't some I don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, I I started to try meditation after a workout, and and thought that the the act of getting that dopamine rush at the end of a workout and then sitting and meditating caused me to feel the energy stronger. So I started to try doing that. And then when I, when I, once I was done with the run, let's say I'll do a three, a three mile run and then I'll come and sit quickly on a bench while I'm sweating and hyperventilating and, and try to calm down as much as I can. Suddenly I'll feel these waves of energy through me. And then I'll look at the sky and I start noticing that the clouds were moving a lot faster when I did that. So then I said, Hmm, this is interesting. I want to see what I, what else I can do. So I tried to close my eyes one day and I did the same thing, but with my eyes closed and I wanted to see if I can alter some sort of circumstance around me. And I did, and it was kind of disturbing. And I got a little fearful of doing it again because as soon as I opened my eyes, the car accident happened. Like immediately, as soon as I opened my eyes, and you just hear the car accident happen. So apparently what happened was is a guy on a bicycle just kind of like fell asleep on the, on the pedal, which I'm not really sure how you can do that. And he ran into oncoming traffic and this traffic was going onto a major bridge. So the car hit him. And so when I heard the accident, I kind of like, I'm a paramedic by trade. So I just kind of like forgot everything that I was even dealing with. And I just went and helped the guy. And, but later on, I actually fell apart because I said to myself, could it be possible that I, caused that situation i don't know all i know is that my eyes opened and suddenly the accident happened and i was looking for something to happen so you know i i put that a little bit in the unknown category um nobody i don't think anyone wants bad things to happen that's why i get a little worried about trying this again because the last thing i want to do is cause you know some issue you know and uh so i mean i still meditate you know, on a regular basis, but I don't kind of go seeking as much like for sudden things like that. And another thing too, is that the, the, aside from knowing exactly what's happening, you know, the cause and effect thing, one thing that's coming to my awareness, that's kind of strange too, this is where the automatic writing comes in, is that I'm starting to get this weird validation that we are living in a multiverse. And, uh, I'm not, but it's, it's not that some, being in my head is telling me or anything. It's just something that just sort of is starting to, I don't know if you want to call it a download, but it just seems to be consistently validating to me that we're living in a multiverse and that time is not what we thought it was. And that's the thing I always get in my head over and over again. So when you say multiverse, are you talking like a matrix kind of thing? Yeah, like a matrix kind of thing. I'll give you a little example. This is something that just kind of, again, it's one of those things that just popped in my head. It was telling me that, for example, let's say I want to buy a gallon of milk, let's say, right? And, that, and, and right now I don't have it. So in this now space, time, dynamic, I don't have my gallon of milk. If I go to the store and I purchase one and I bring it home, I now have my gallon of milk, right? That's another reality. Well, what this is telling me is that both realities exist congruently with each other. 
The only problem is that now we have to use energy in order to to make that reality possible. Now, this sounds a little bit like law of attraction or, or, or law, you know, or law of causation or whatever. It sounds like, yeah, duh, everyone knows you just go and go to a store and you have the milk. But the fact is there's something there that's still more important than even that idea. And that's that they're still both happening at the same time. So that's where maybe it gets into the idea of movement, where movement sort of kind of like plays itself out. But the time was the only separator between the two nows. See, but then if time doesn't exist and it's just an illusion, then what, why is time there? It seems like time is just there to separate the two experiences so you can actually have something to do. So that's sort of like what, that's sort of like what, the, the, and this comes in automatic writing. So I might be just sitting there thinking about this stuff and suddenly, I'll, you know, as I'm breathing, I'll suddenly get the desire to write something. And then when I write it, I look back at it and I say, wow, did I write that? <laughs> when, you, when that happens to you, do you consciously remember and see yourself writing? Or is this something that like, almost like you get zapped and you just start writing? I, I don't mean to be disrespectful with that. I just, I don't know how else to describe it. Like with the automatic writing, is this something that you're conscious while you're doing it? Or is it something that, you know, it's almost like you wake up and you're like, wow. No, it's funny. I'm conscious when I'm doing it. The problem is, is that the amount of information during the time that I become conscious of doing it starts to sort of come out like a computer. So like, I'm still conscious that I'm doing it. I'm awake. But the thing is that, that every word, word for word for word that comes out, starts to become sort of an unconscious thing. I mean, it's kind of like when we're talking, right? Like with the words that we say, even though we're conscious of, a, of ourselves speaking, but every single word we're not conscious of because we're just trying to get an idea forward. So it just kind of flows like when we read a book quickly or, right. or speak words quickly, you know? So I think that's the way it sort of comes out. So it's like a little bit, it's conscious, but at the same time, it's like automatic. So... Is it anything significant that you're writing down or is this just, is it like mumbo jumbo? It's some things about the multiverse, some things about us and about our biases. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll put some stuff that appear like, like I'll, I'll even post stuff on Facebook sometimes that appear to be, have like spiritual meanings to it. Uh, uh, you know, things like that. Sometimes I'll have a long thing to say. I'll write something really long, a blog about it. And People who, who resonate with it seem to be really, you know, embracing of it. And for the most part, everyone else will do if they don't understand it or whatever, they'll just ignore it. But it does feel like some sort of like divine guidance, so to speak, you know, or like a guidance of the soul, you know, if you want to get into that. I mean, I'm not religious in any way, but, I, but now I find myself more heavily spiritual than I ever was before. And I was always an agnostic my whole life. You know, not, nece not necessarily an atheist, but an agnostic, sort of like I never really knew the answers, tried to know the answers, but I always said, hey, look, I don't know. And until something else comes forward, I, I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to say there isn't a God or there isn't a, some sort of divine force, but I'm just going to say I don't know. So now I've come like completely 180 from that, you know. So now are these, are these UFOs angels uh, or are they extraterrestrial or they, you know, like it starts to get into that spiritual realm really fast. And when you look at the UFO lore, 
you know, if you, a lot of people in the UFO field, in the, in the ufology field, talk about UFOs being with us for thousands of years. And I said to myself at the time when I first learned about this, I said, well, if they're here for thousands of years or they're here since the beginning of humanity, then what exactly are we talking about here? Oh, you know, it sounds like we're talking about a religious experience, you know, but it just sounds like we're filtering it through the knowledge of religion and, and we may, you don't, you might not have to, you know, some people maybe, but you may not have to. With these things, especially like the the concept of time, uh, do you think that through it seems like you're just scratching the surface with this. Like, I mean, you're you're three years into this from your initial get go. Uh, and I'm sure you're you're gonna pursue this, and you're gonna you know find other things, you know, other truths that you come across. Uh, do you think at some point, if I I don't even know how to say it other than if time is no longer a factor for you personally. Do you think that there's other realities that you'd be able to almost reach into? Have you ever thought about something like that? Yeah, but I don't think, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say with certainty, anything with certainty, but I, I think that we could probably reach into things, but only through what our consciousness is already connected to. So a lot of times uh, I've heard the idea that we have, that we live in a reincarnative cycle where we, we've reincarnated many times and in many places, even as, as extraterrestrial. And something is validating to me that that's, that's what we're dealing with, where we're, where we're incarnated in many different places. But the thing is, all these places are a different multiverse that exists here. But when, when science talks about it, they always make it look like the, 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 the bubble universe is somewhere else, you know, but they just don't define what somewhere else means. So, can we jump into other experiences from other places? I think we could, but I just don't know if the body goes with, I mean, it could be, but I don't have anyone validating to me. Hey, look, you know, you had this experience last night and when I opened the door to your bedroom, you weren't there, (laughs) you know? So I can't really say that. Like I can say that my consciousness has seen things that are kind of bizarre inside my meditation. Like I've had memories that are strange that seem to come with sort of a jolt to my body. Um, Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Where I kind of like almost, you know, I've also done something pretty interesting. You might, you might, you might like, Um, I started to notice that if I do intense meditations, I start to notice that more people start to want to contact me the next day telling me they had a dream about me. Really? So that that's interesting. I, uh, it's happened enough where I'm starting to notice that it's maybe possible, like something like Inception, like the movie, right? Where we can jump into each other's dreams, and I don't know where to go with that, you know. But I just know that it, it's not. It doesn't really affect any one specific person, but it just seems to be that every time someone wants to, for some reason, tell me they had a dream where I was in it, it was always the night that I was having one of my intense meditations, like two hour meditations or so, you know? Yeah. And, and during those meditations, I'm assuming you probably weren't thinking about those people. No, not at all. Okay. So, I mean, it, it kind of, it's kind of almost like you said, I mean, it's almost like you're, you're jumping into people's dreams, uh, through this intense meditation, uh, not purposefully though. 
Yeah, not purposefully. Maybe it's entering them because they were part of my experience overall. And some there's some connection between people, friends and family and stuff. They're, you know, that's the whole reason they're in my life. You know, it could be that, um, you know, like a greater connection. I know I've heard a theory that we incarnate and every time we, we kind of like switch roles with each other, you know, where one day your your father is your father and the next time you're his father and whatever, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I have no idea where I stand on any of that, but it's, it's interesting because it just seems like this does happen to the people that you're closer to. Yeah, no, I, it's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating to me. I, I'm just looking at your email here and you said you had a bizarre helicopter phenomena experience. What, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, the helicopters, um, in the beginning, when it first started to happen, what, what happened was is I would look out my window and suddenly after a while, I started noticing this helicopter like fly in and then turn toward me in the direction exactly where I was focusing on. And then suddenly he would turn on this huge light in the front of his, uh, you know, like right under the cockpit and flash it toward me and then sometimes get kind of eerily close and then turn around to keep going. And I said, what the heck was that about? And me and a friend of mine actually did conjured up something like that too, where a helicopter came in, stopped, and suddenly it made the biggest flash that threw us back and we almost fell on the floor because it flashed us so hard. I never, I had never seen a helicopter flash that hard before, uh, right into my window. And so for a while I started noticing this weird phenomena and there was even a time where I would be able to meditate and suddenly like 20 helicopters would be in the sky and this wouldn't look like average helicopters. This would look like, like, you know, you, you, you start to notice flight patterns in the sky when you, you especially I live in a high rise in Manhattan, so I could see the flight patterns where they are. And you know what helicopters seem to be like an authoritative type helicopter versus the ones that are just kind of like, you know, sightseeing helicopters or whatever. And um, there there was a sudden like influx of like 20 helicopters looking for something, almost like if they're looking for a lost child in the woods. And uh, I saw that happen right after a meditation. And I said, hmm, what the heck is all that about? And it happened quite a few times. But the funny thing is, is that once that year passed, this was like in late 2015, the phenomena sort of settled down and stopped. So I don't see it as often as I used to, but it was just very strange that there was some sort of helicopter phenomena. I I feel that it may be dealing with just multiverse stuff. You know, um, some people might want to call it a black helicopter phenomenon, like a military conspiratorial thing. I do notice, though, that a lot of people who have UFO experiences talk about black helicopters or men in black or something like that. So I was thinking, is it possible? And, I, you know, could it be some sort of government thing like that? You know, and I see if I'm in New York City, it's very, it's a very, you know, I mean, if something happens like that, it's going to be kind of weird. And, um, I said, maybe it isn't that clear cut, you know what I mean? Because obviously this whole UFO phenomenon is not that clear cut either. So, but it is weird though. There is some sort of helicopter phenomenon and it's not just a helicopter. It's also a fighter jet phenomenon. So like, like there was, there was a time I did a meditation and four fighter jets were in formation flying low right over Manhattan. And when I saw that, I said, no way. 
And I, I looked it up on the news, nothing. I looked up online, nothing. And then two days later, two more fighter jets came by in the same direction, and it did make the news, you know. And uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, were they chasing a UFO? Or, you know, based on my meditation, were they? Was it some sort of multiverse thing that was happening? I, I, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, like the majority of your, well, at least the majority of the experiences you've shared with me on the show here. Uh, it all revolves around sky, air, uh, UFOs flying, uh, clouds, helicopters, planes. And I, I find that interesting. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I, I do think that there are a lot of things in this world that uh, are left unexplained. And I do believe that there are types of government that do know more than uh, we do or they would allow out. And I do wonder, you know, if there's some way that they're able to, because if you're able to do this in three years, then if if that's the case, let's just make that the base here of your, in the last three years, you've been able to do these kind of things. Uh, from that point of idea, I would, it would be hard for me to, to believe that there is, there isn't some kind of uh, higher authority, whether it's. I hate saying the word government because I don't think President Trump knows about this. I don't think that, you know, your Congress knows about this. But I do think that there's some kind of, I guess, for lack of better terms, black operation. I don't know how to describe it, but something, some group of people out there that do know that these things are possible. And those people might be even more advanced than you. And maybe they can hone in on you. Maybe they do actually know what you're doing because they can sense it. I don't know. It's just, uh, have you ever thought about something like that? Yeah, I have. I mean, I looked at chemtrails too in the sky and I've noticed that they've also manifested in a kind of weird way also, uh, you know, like on command, so to speak. So I, I had thought also about the idea that, you know, we are the, the multiverse is so profound that we can jump from reality to reality. And the sky is just kind of like a canvas for us to be able to see, you know, that, that difference in, in, uh, in, in changes in, in, in the universe based on energy. So like, in other words, if we're walking in the street, it may be a little harder to do it because there's so many other people pulling and tugging on reality. You know, so this kind of like gets into the idea of, um, I remember Yuri Geller, the, the, the psychic that was studied by the government. Um, he had validated in some of his paperwork that I read that he can do some pretty crazy psychic experiments. But as soon as a, a non-believer walked into the room, it stopped. So it's like if we're and that makes sense to me, because if we're living in a matrix, and it's based on my version of intention and my ver of what I can conjure up in my reality. If you walk into my reality and you don't believe what I'm doing, I could see why you, maybe unconsciously, can cause that to stop. Whereas if I'm alone, I suddenly can see things at a much faster pace. Okay. So it's, and then it goes back to even mental illness too, because then you have patients who, who would say like things are happening, but when nobody's around and then when somebody comes around, suddenly they stop, you know? So it started, I started connecting dots like that, but I don't know what that says about what exactly is the tangible, you know, uh, stuff that I can sink my teeth into when it comes to government, when it comes to what is it that the black government knows, if there is even a black government, 
I don't know. I mean, I know they know something because I've seen documents. I've seen stuff about remote viewing and ESP and psychic awareness. I know that they like the subject. You know, but at the same time, we're dealing with belief systems here. And, you know, anyone even in the military is subject to the same biases that we are. I can't imagine that they're above and beyond us, you know. What do you mean by that? Well, like, like in other words, if I show somebody on the street something paranormal and they have a hard time bringing it into their awareness in a way where they, like, in other words, they'll perceive a UFO to be a drone, um, then I would imagine wouldn't a military person have the same bias in the sense that they may, you know, in other words, it might get chaotic in terms of every personnel, in terms of their belief systems themselves, each and every person. So it's not saying that okay. that doesn't exist, that there isn't a level of secrecy and, and stuff. But I mean, it's just a matter of like, but how far does it go? Right. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, uh, and that's why I always have a hardest time to say saying government, because I don't think the majority of our government knows of this kind of thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm the kind that I do think that they're I, for instance, let's put it this way. I know for a fact that there is black operation money involved in the CIA alone, where it's literal money there for black operations, for things to be carried out that's underneath the blanket of everything else. Like, like it's not it, you, these operations that are being pulled were, are not being ordered by uh, your government officials per se. It's going on in the shadows. I know that for a fact. I've talked to a uh, CIA agent and I'll just leave it at a CIA agent. I know, I know those kind of things happen. And so, right. uh, with that said, when it comes to these types of things, it's not hard for me to think that they, one, are interested in it and they are pursuing it because it, during World War II, the Germans har- pursued very uh, strongly the, the idea of combining science with magic. And they, they, they took it serious. Hitler took it very serious. And then what happened after World War II? We brought those German scientists to America so as, as quote unquote reforms, the scientists, you know, oh, they're, they're better now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not bad guys anymore. And we, we, we let them kind of help us, you know, do the things that we've been able to accomplish. And so I do think that there are certain levels, uh, for, like I said before, for lack of better terms, government that do pursue these types of things, because, uh, if it's real, they'd be stupid not to, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I'm never, you know, I don't know. I, I do read a lot of stuff, so I don't want to, you know, give you the impression that I don't know what you're talking about because I do. <laughs> you know, I follow so much Absolutely. of this stuff. But there, there comes a point that, you know, it, it starts to, it, something comes into my own awareness and tells me to stop. I don't know why. It just tells me to stop. This is not your path. You know, it tells me, you know, when something comes into your awareness and it seems like something that you need to, this is a channeling. This is sort of like my own version of channeling. If something comes into your awareness that you need to address, that, that means it's for you. But if something's not in your awareness, that's, I mean, if something is not there for you to address, it's not for you. So in other words, like, like, like I know I mentioned the word multiverse a lot, but if we are living in a, in a multiverse, that means that the multiverse governs them too. And if it governs them, that means they're not greater than the universe. So, 
if that's the case and you're switching between different universes every moment, then that sort of changes a little bit the conspiratorial, at least for me, it changes the conspiratorial side of it for me because then you can change everything around you. And I've done, and there's some stuff in my stuff that I don't really get in. I don't really like to get into um, challenges that I've had that, that have changed in dramatic ways um, that allowed me to see that, that, that may be possible. That in other words, that we can change not just the weather at a distance, but we could actually change people at a distance. But I mean, like not, 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 not in the sense that, a person just exists in one place in time, but that that the same person exists in many places in time or people exist in many places in time. Kind of like what, I don't know if you ever heard of what they call the superposition state. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. So in, in I had to get into science a lot, like advanced theoretical science to even try to address some of these downloads that I had gotten. But basically what it was telling me is that everything, every piece of matter, including us, is in a sort of quantum superposition state. It means that it could, it could kind of like exist in many possibilities. So you could exist on, a, or like, I'll give you another example. Like, have you ever seen the documentary, What the Belief Do We Know? No, I have not. Okay, so it was saying that, for example, if there's a kid playing on a basketball court, right? He can, his, him and his basketball could be in many different places in the court at the same time. But the problem is when your eyes latch onto the basketball court, you're going to, you're going to superimpose only one reality to that player. But that player actually exists in many points in reality. And so the idea is, is that there's many versions of us, many versions of reality, many versions of people, many versions of institutions. And if that's the case, that means that even when we try to investigate black government or, or conspiracies, we're also dealing with multiverse on top of that, you know? So it's like, it gets into the idea of, well, what, I mean, it gets into a weird idea of what universe do we want to attract, you know? And uh, I don't know what that means because sometimes we just need to put our heads into stuff and learn that's what we're here for in this world to, to, to do what we're, what we're, you know, what, what entertains us or what fascinates us in life. So I don't, I don't know, but I juggle those ideas in my head and how much energy I want to put into, you know, whether it's bad government or bad police department or bad courts or bad, you know, whatever, military issues with, with, with foreign wars or any number of subjects, you know, that we can talk about, you know. Right. Well, let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we will bring in this ship for landing. We'll be right back, everybody. my headlights hit this animal in the road really low in the sky were these floating balls of light five or ten seconds earlier i watched you know a six foot one 270 pound guy walk right onto that elevator the doors closed they opened back up and he wasn't there i heard a low rowling sound i can't sleep can't do nothing i'm afraid the thing's gonna come through my wall i mean it just sounded absolutely evil monsters among us podcast itunes stitcher and monsters among us podcast.com
this might seem like a childish question, uh, but if you have some of these abilities, right? Uh, no doubt, I'm sure there's other people out there that do as well, and they know it. Do you think that this is something that some people could use in a malicious way? Yes, but even even then, I think that the the, the, the this is just uh, you know using the idea of this whole multiverse again. I think that when people conjure up things in their reality, I think that they may be conjuring up things in their version of reality. And not necessarily, like, in other words, there's no one principle reality. There's just a multitude of, of realities happening simultaneously. So like, in other words, if you, I, I've heard so many people talk about conjuring up things like, like a wishing ill will on somebody else. And uh, sometimes it happens, but then it may happen only in one universe. But then that universe may be superimposed for them, but then somehow, if you're not meant to know about it, you won't even know about it. You see what I'm saying? Like things have a way of separating themselves out in a way where people's experiences are completely secret to them and to you. I mean, it gets into like how to, how how does it all play out? Um because I actually tried a little bit of, of uh, not malicious stuff, but I mean, I try to, to see if I can alter perceptions and I can try to get people to do things. You know what I mean? It was just playing around one day. I decided to take the train and I, and I wanted to see if I can get some people to scratch their head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, or put the hand on their nose or whatever. And I was able to do some, some of it, a little bit of it. I mean, it was enough to say, I think there's something going on there. Um, where I would look at, let's say, four people or people on the left side of a subway car, and I would try to, like, really, really, like, you know, conjure up a feeling of scratching your head. Now, you know, we could always say that, hey, what's the odds that someone's going to scratch their head anyway? And that's true. But, uh, you know, there may be something there in terms of how we coerce, you know, we can kind of, like, trigger someone to do something, you know. But then I got into this whole idea of free will, you know, and I got and I said to myself, wait a minute, but if we have free will, do we have free, do we have free will? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So I don't you know, then I said, wait a minute. No, no, I, I get it. The multiverse, if the multiverse is involved, that means that a version of them is doing it here and a version of them is not. But I'm not seeing the one that's not. <laughs> so I said, so I just said, okay, that makes sense. So then I said, I kind of like left it alone. I said, okay, we're not controlling people. We're just kind of having an experience and the experience that you see is only the one that you're taking with you. Gotcha. You know, and I, and I posed this question to a remote famous, uh, well, popular remote viewer, uh, uh, guy that that's been on the internet a lot. And he's a really, he's doing a lot of good work in this stuff. And I posted the, the idea how much of remote viewing is perceiving just one multiverse versus another. And his take was, we are living in a multiverse. And, uh, and, and that, you know, sometimes when you do get a psychic uh, hit on something that's going to happen in a few days or a few months, it's only a hit for something that's going to happen in one reality, not the other. So then I try to ask the next question and say, well, then when we're remote viewing, aren't we remote influencing? Isn't that really what's happening? And he never got to answer that question. <laughs> but I thought that that may be the issue, that remote viewing is actually remote influencing. 
It's very interesting. So, so yeah, I, I don't know the details. I'm not an expert on this stuff. <laughs> this is stuff that I play with when I'm at home, just kind of sitting and thinking, you know. Right, and, and you know, I'm going to bring up a a, a kind of another topic here relating to what you, all your experiences, because I know there's people out there listening right now that uh, are going to have a certain opinion on this, and I'm going to bring it up. Uh, so you've said that you've you know seen these UFOs, and it's like it's like they have some kind of relationship with you. Like they're trying to tell you something or guide you or something like that. I might be, you know, butchering that, but just bear with me here. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you also have had the automatic writings and you've had the telekinetic ability with, you know, controlling some things around you that typically were taught in reality. shouldn't be possible. Um, People are going to think that you might be dabbling with some kind of witchcraft or that you're demonically possessed and you're actually speaking to demons with the UFO thing. Because some people believe that UFOs are demonic entities, aliens are demonic entities and things like that. And so people are going to be you know, trying to connect dots in their own mind from your experiences on how they can make sense of that. And to that idea, what would you say to that? You know, because I'm sure it's something that you probably either heard before or at least come across in your readings and things like that. So what would you say to people that would be thinking along those lines? Yeah, well, to, I hope it doesn't sound like, like, like it's not intended this way, but I think actually they're right. I think they're, they're, you are dealing with what people doing witchcraft in the past or even now uh, have been explaining for you know thousands of years um the only problem is is that i think we're using filters here so when we you know when we talk about witchcraft does witchcraft have to be a bad thing just because of our our biases toward the idea um i'm not a witch i have no knowledge about witchcraft at all but when i when i tapped into some of the the knowledge reading you know literature about it it sounds like there could be a it sounds like i may actually have stumbled upon it um now i don't i want to say by chance because i don't believe anything is chance but i mean if you change it from the idea of witchcraft and just say, Hey, look, we're empowering ourselves and learning about how it, how it really, what it really means to become a full human being. It could change the stereotype. Uh, as far as demonic entities and all that, um, again, I think it's the same thing with filters. I think that if you want to call it, uh, uh, a demonic entity, if you want to fear it, you can always conjure up the feeling within you and call it that. You know, and this is not to say that there's nothing that isn't demonic in the world. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the movie. Uh, what's that? The movie with the possession, the famous uh, uh, The Exorcist. The Exorcist, right? I, I, you know, I'm sure stuff like that happens, and I don't have the answers to everything, but that hasn't happened to me. You know, and the UFOs have, in my experience, only been tell, not not even telling me because they're not sitting here for a cup of coffee or anything, but I mean, they're showing me things that seem to, it seems to be part of my growth instead of hindering me, instead of making me bump into walls or, you know, it doesn't seem to be playing into some sort of negative experience. It seems to be playing to a positive experience. So, 
you know, that's what I would say. I would just say okay. is that, it, it, you know, let's look at our filters first before we start to decide whether something is good or bad. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, how often do you meditate and uh, pursue these these things? Is it a daily thing or what? Um, in the beginning, it was a daily thing. Uh, then it got to the point that they were actually, uh, sometimes they would come in without me asking. So sometimes I'd be... Uh, driving and you I have some I have a pretty cool video of the UFO following while I was driving on the uh, on the BQE or on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Um that that's pretty cool for and I just got that from a cell phone, my cell phone a camera. I uh, sometimes I'll do jogs and they'll they, they they you see these orbs following in the sky while you're on a jog. Um it happens more in the summer than in the winter time. But it does happen in the winter too. But I, I suspect that maybe there's a little bit of a different energy within me because of the cold. So that may be an aspect too. But um, sometimes I can go a whole season without seeing them at all, and then sometimes it'll just start to happen every day, it's like clockwork. And uh, so it just it changes from time to time. Sometimes I may have an experience that I'm dealing with in my you know in my past, and as I'm dealing with the experience, I try my best to learn from it using what I've learned of all of this to just better myself. And when I do it, it's, they seem to come in and validate that I'm on the path or I'm not on the path. If they, you know, they'll also come in when I'm not on the path and kind of like, you know, I, I use it as a permission slip, you know, to just kind of like say, okay, okay. I see you guys are here. Okay. Well, let me look at what just happened right now so I can understand why you guys are here. So, have you ever gotten a feeling like a, a feeling of correction and not follow that feeling? Uh, you mean like, uh, you mean like if I had a feeling and then I decided to go the other way and not follow it? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, how do I say it? Like if you, have you ever had a feeling that, you know, you weren't on the right path and there there's correction being thrown at you, but you, kind of ignored it and just did your own thing anyways. Have you ever kind of done that? Probably in my youth, you know, but I mean, in terms of now, I see I, it almost the universe or let me not even say the universe. I'll say my experience seems to be organic. So it seems to be like my entire experience throws things at me that I need for that moment. And then suddenly it releases them when I don't need them anymore. Um, I don't know how people can look at their own lives and relate to that, but when bad things happen, you can take it to its logical conclusion and just, you know, all hell will break loose in your life and that's it. Or something happens where it changes the circumstance in your favor or just something for you to learn, not necessarily in your favor, but just something that, that you can understand. I see why this happened. And it's sort of like, it gives kind of like a meaning to life. You know, and the only thing I would say is that, well, you know, if it's not as woo-woo if you just think that, hey, look, everything may just be organic and connected, you know, experience too. It may be this living, this living being, um, you know, that, that it's not necessarily a being like you and me, but it's still a living process. And I've been hearing that a lot in terms of like, I just read an article the other day that said that, hey, the universe may be conscious. And that's sort of the feeling that I get from all of this is that the universe is conscious. So even when you have a, something that happens in your universe, in your space, 
in your life, it may actually just be part of a conscious process, you know? And uh, that's that's basically what it's telling me, you know? Yeah. Well, Jason, you said earlier in the interview that uh, you had videos and that you post them. Is that on YouTube or Facebook? Yeah, they could find it on YouTube. I've posted a few on Facebook, but most of them are on YouTube. Some of them are balloons. They are balloon anomalies, I call them. Um, the uh, the reason they are balloons is because when I meditate, I start to sometimes see balloons. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because it's a big city, um, and I don't think UFOs are going to want to always just kind of pop in all the time, you know, in, in their full form. But there, the only thing that I would say about that is that there is sort of a balloon phenomena attached to this experience. So some of it is balloons. Some of them is lights and orbs in the sky. The really big experiences, like the huge UFO that I've seen, I've seen that about maybe five times. I can never catch that on camera. It's just one of those things. It's like the experience always has one up on you. You know, I yeah. guess maybe it's like Bigfoot like that. You know, people always <laughs> say, hey, I saw Bigfoot, but I can never get a video. Right. So there's something strange about that. And there's also something strange because, uh, because there are times that I've had the opportunity to take a video. And for some reason, there's always something kind of weird about the camera. Either the memory card wasn't in properly or the battery died out at just the right time. Like, it's a weird thing that I can, I can see why somebody would say, ah, oh, he's lying. Yeah. You know, I can totally get it. I get it. It's just, it's a weird, all I, all I would say is that there's a synchronicity involved with everything. And when they want it, when they want you to record or the experience wants you to record it, it'll do it. But if it doesn't want you, it, it just, it'll, it'll make itself known that it's going to come in exactly when you can't record. You know? Yeah, I, I find that so interesting. I, I one thing that I am really big into doing, uh, and so is my friend. He, we spend a lot of time talking about the comparisons between people's experiences when it comes to like uh, Bigfoot, Dogman, UFOs. There's there's little things that happen in certain people's accounts that cross the line into other categories and like you me you mentioned about like kind of like the electronic malfunction that's a very common thing uh people claim happens during bigfoot encounters and it just makes you wonder like like how where's the crossover is there something that we should that we're missing here that equates to both these situations you know what i mean does that make sense yeah yeah i, I don't you know i think that maybe there's something going on with the experience itself and that goes back to the idea of experience being being organic and that you know if an experience doesn't want itself to be known maybe there's some sort of uh you know a guiding guiding force that that will make sure that only you know it'll be known to only who it wants it to be known to you know and that's not necessarily like lately i have not not just my own videos but lately uh I have also seen other people's videos that I can account 100% that they're legit because there are some people who do CE5s like I did, in, you know, with the group and they have really powerful high definition cameras and they're able to record these UFOs and they then you could see that they're anomalous. You could see that they're bizarre. Um, I mean, the only thing I can say that, that, that can put light into that is that when you're looking at a night sky, and it's completely dead, meaning that there's nothing flying. It's completely silent. 
And suddenly you're looking between stars and suddenly one object just comes right in from the stars and moves in and throws a flash at you and dips right back into space. You know that didn't come from us. You just know it. It's too high up. It came from out of the planet. Um, it, it recognized itself based on your line of sight. So in other words, like it came in exactly where you were looking, where it was designed just for you or your group or whatever. You just know it. And I've seen so many videos now from people who've done it. And, and, and when I look at the videos, they look exactly like what I see. So this isn't CGI effect right. or anything. So, you know, so a lot of times when people, when skeptics come on, programs and they say we don't have one good video or photo of a ufo and i'm like are you kidding me you know are you really you know this, we're, it, it, we've gotten to an age now that we have to go past that you know and uh and i think skepticism is always going to stay strong until we have a paradigm shift you know and it either you know either it's going to happen one funeral at a time or it's going to be one of those sudden things where like what we've been noticing now in december the government's trying to tell the public that we're not alone but the public doesn't really care <laughs> so i mean that's another topic but i mean it's just amazing the stuff that's coming out of the government now right and it's I, I have so many different thoughts and opinions on that kind of stuff, man. I think uh, the, as the public goes, they're sleeping. They, they're just sleeping. They're sleeping. They, 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 they are caught up in their own day-to-day mundane routines, the social media-driven lives. Like, everybody lives on Facebook. Everybody lives on Twitter. Like, we don't they, – they're just sleeping. They don't need to hear it. They don't care to hear it. And therefore, it's easier to come out and with disclosure because nobody's listening anyways. It's like, oh, yeah, well, let's just disclose now because there's not an audience. Nobody's going to hear it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It, yeah, I think it's like a yeah, – I think David Icke, you know, he had kind of, you know, said it exactly the same way that, you know, we're just in a society that has – that's just sleeping and the government only operates in a sort of problem reaction solution type of uh, paradigm. And they manufacture the problems in order to come up with the solutions that turn out to be profitable. And we just seem to be in a perpetual kind of like a social engineering and people, a lot of people are just not aware of that. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Absolutely. And our society is in stasis, man. Like, like they're just, they're sleeping and, and just going through these mundane routines of, like you said, social engineering, like, like this is one big social engineering project that we're on right now. And and (laughs) it's like, for me, like I look around and I see it, I'm like, this is nuts. But one, how do I pump the brakes on it? For, like, how do I expose it to pump the brakes on it? And two, can you? Because basically, bottom line is, in order to pump the brakes on this social en- engineering that we're involved in right now, you would need, you know, for mathematical sake, more than 50% of the people who are being experimented on to wake up from it and object to it. And that is a very hard thing to accomplish. Very, very hard because people are so caught up in their world. They, I don't see most people ever waking up to this idea that they're actually that they're actually part of this social engineering project that <laughs> that's going on. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's you know, but I also think too that that it's it's showing me that we're all connected, and that if somebody is not ready to wake up, there might actually be a reason for it because I can't imagine that. 
if my if I can perceive my life being planned, you know, from before I got here, and that's and that may be a belief system that may go into something else. But I'm saying if it's possible that our lives are planned, that means that the person who doesn't believe his life is also planned, her life is also planned. So if that's the case, then maybe them not knowing is part of a process for them to do something in this life that's supposed to benefit somebody else or something else or whatever, some, you know. And so if we're that connected in the sense that we're all designed a certain way for a reason, um, it might be just an idea that it might be something a lot bigger than just thinking like the whole planet is going to awaken to some big truth. Maybe it's something that each each one of us are. Maybe the whole purpose of being of, of even existing on the planet is just to have an experience tailor made for you. And if you try to interject that experience onto somebody else, you could just feel their vibrational energy is not ready for that, and that maybe their plan is something else, totally different. So I kind of go with that and have to kind of respect it a little bit, even though I try. I try, I try to share this with, with, you know, people and I can, but I can see that there's something weird going on in the way you share things with people and some people grab it and some people don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I hear you. Uh, before we get out of here, we mentioned it earlier, but what, what YouTube channel do you have? Where can people find some of your videos? Uh, they can go ahead and put in J J A Y space fig F I G. Um, so they're not professional videos. I don't have a video editor. I, I don't, sometimes I wish I can time-lapse some of this stuff because I've actually channeled from start to finish in some videos. Um, and I've conjured up some pretty interesting stuff in the video, but you have to kind of fast forward to the point. So, and, uh, but you can go down the list. I have some telekinesis videos. I've done the stuff on webcam. I've done it on regular, you know, just looking at the clouds and showing how they just kind of like evaporate on command. And, you know, it's a little tedious, but for the most part, they're all really short videos. Okay. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, Jason, listen, I really appreciate coming on here and sharing some of your thoughts and some of your experiences and things like that. I think it was a a fascinating conversation that I'm sure will get people's attention. uh, And I I can't wait to hear some of the emails I get from it. uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I can help and I'm glad I could spread it a little bit and whoever resonates with it and wants, wants to, to attach to it and le- learn a little bit, you know, from somebody else, then there you go. It's there. Right. All right, brother. Well, thank you very much. And if you ever want to chat, just let me know, man. Absolutely, man. It was fun. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking to Jason and some of the different things that he has been experiencing over the past few years. Now, remember, if you want to support the show, there's three ways to do that. You can go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and I'll give you a shout out on next week's show. You can go to Patreon, become a patron to help support the show, and I'll give you a shout out on next week's show. Or you can just share the show on social media and get some buzz going about the show and tell people that you enjoy listening to The Confessionals. Now, I really hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe. Take care, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night on The Confessionals.
Can't ignore 